the moment when the blood was applied to your heart and you were changed in the twinkle of an eye from being lost to being saved. I like what I heard D.L. Moody say about his teaching on Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus went up that tree, the chief of sinners, a tax collector. He came down that tree, a child of the king. He was saved. It don't take long for the Lord to save you once you get to that place where you believe. And what a blessing, what it is, a joy to be able to count ourselves amongst those this morning who by grace has been given the faith to trust Jesus enough to believe in his name and experience what that name can do in a life that will believe and trust in it. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in my life that's made a difference. Marrying that woman. Having friends that you meet along the way that make a difference. But nothing has ever made more of a difference in my life than Jesus. Can you say that this morning? So the first thing we ought to be able to thank him for as we approach this special time of the year when we recognize the blessings of God is we need to thank God for Jesus. Amen. Where would we be without Jesus? If he hadn't come, if he hadn't died on the cross, if he hadn't provided and gave us salvation through the cross we would all be hopelessly lost this morning and this morning if you got your bible i want to ask you to turn with me to the book of first corinthians the book of first corinthians chapter one and i want to talk to us this morning about sometimes we might forget that one of the things we need to thank for more than anything i want to talk to us a little while about god's faithfulness to his children you know certainly thanksgiving i don't know what you believe and who we thank but I grew up at a time in America when we were taught, even in public school, that the origin, the the, the tradition of Thanksgiving was from the pilgrims who crossed over on the Mayflower seeking a new land, not only for the provisions and what it could provide, but for the fact that they were escaping persecution against the faith and the freedom to worship Jesus Christ in the way that they felt led to lead, and they came. And we know they had that first horrific winter, and then they befriended the Indians. And this is what I was taught not many years ago, that the first Thanksgiving was the next year after they had a bountiful harvest. They thought it would be wise and right to thank the Lord, and they came together. I don't know what you gather for at your house on Thanksgiving Day, But it's not just to thank the Lord for what we have. It's to thank the Lord for who gave it to us. Himself, God. And I want to talk to us this morning. You know, the Lord is good. He reigns on the just and the unjust. You don't have to be saved. You don't have to believe in the name of Jesus to have a lot of food. In this country that we live in, you don't have to believe in Jesus. Lots of people who hate the name of Jesus have lots of clothes in their closet. And you certainly don't have to be a believer to have a roof over your head. God's graceful and merciful and he's giving and benevolent. There's a lot of people today who will be able to celebrate a bountiful table, who'll be dressed wonderfully in nice holiday clothes, who'll have a wonderful home over their head, but they don't even know Jesus. I don't know about y'all, I'm thankful we're going to have a good meal. I know my wife's going to cook and show out. And I know we're going to have wonderful fellowship. We're going to sit at a table. 
and we're all going to be gathered together with family, and what a wonderful blessing that is. But guys, there's lots of people who don't know the Lord that will do that. Friends, today I want to talk to us about the blessings that we have that come just because of who he is to us as our Savior. And there's a a passage here I want us to look at this morning. You know, if you're saved this morning and you belong to the Lord Jesus, verse 9 ought to mean something to you. Paul's writing to a backslidden, it's a very carnal church, but he's thanking God for this church in verse 4. We're going to read verse 9 and look up above, read back down to verse 9, and we're going to pray. What I want to preach about is in verse 9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called and to the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know about y'all, but since God called me into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus, he's not disappointed me one time. He's confused me. <laughs> he's did things I didn't expect him to do. He's allowed things to happen that I wished he wouldn't have had. But at the end of this trip so far with Jesus, I'm totally satisfied. How about you? I'm totally believing that he's faithful to do anything and everything he's ever promised and said he would do. You know why? God cannot lie. And not only can God cannot lie, he cannot fail. And friends, whatever God has said he can do, whatever God has promised you can do, you can bet he's faithful to do it. And I want you to look at what Paul says right here. He says, grace to you, in verse 3, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the Lord Jesus your Savior today? Have you been called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ? Listen to what Paul goes on and says. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Where would we be without that grace And look what that grace does. Verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him, by Jesus. Do you understand the enrichment of the riches of God that's come to us? In all utterance, that speech, in all knowledge. Just think if you've never heard the things of God that you've been allowed to hear. If you didn't have possession of the knowledge of God that his grace has made available to you. How ignorant you would be at his thanksgiving. How unknowing of where all these wonderful blessings even come from. But we know. And look at what he goes on and says. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. How many of you are a living, walking testimony of Jesus because he's in you? And he made a difference in your life is every day confirming that he's more than just a biblical myth. He's more than just a historical person. He's the living Lord God, the Savior, and he saved you, and he lives in you now. And every day, whether anybody else wants to believe it or not, he confirms it in your life. That his testimony is true. That if you'll trust me and believe me, I'll save you. Friend, I don't know about you. When I look at this, I've just been getting happy thinking and looking. I was reading it in the deer stand just like, whoo, looking here. I was so sidetracked, I'd forget to look for the deer. He says, who also will confirm you. Look at this. Verse 7, I mean. So that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's the verse. The reason all this is true is because God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. And for each of us who is in that fellowship, who has been called out of darkness, who have heard the utterance of his voice and understood the saving knowledge of his truth and have received Christ, that's an unbelievable bunch of stuff to think about this Thanksgiving. So, Father, as we take a moment to look at your faithfulness today and what you've done through us, in us, as you called us into fellowship with your Son, the Lord Jesus, Lord, the blessings of your grace and your mercy, Lord, we want to take time to not only thank you this year for food, for clothing, for shelter, for all the provisions that we need in this life to have comfort to be able to exist. We thank you for that. But Lord, we want to thank you as your children today for the things that you only do for those who are in the fellowship of the Son, the Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for your grace, for the riches of that grace, for the utterance of your voice into our life, for the knowledge that you've given us access to that shows us who you are and what you can do. And Lord, as we look today, I just pray that you'd make us even more thankful, more grateful than we were before we came so that we can honor you and bring more glory to you by being thankful for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I want to ask you, have you ever thought about what the Bible says God is faithful to do? Because a lot of times I think you're disappointed because you ask God for something he never said he would do. You may have prayed for a Cadillac or a bass boat or Sometimes we might even pray for him to heal one of us, and he didn't do it. But friends, listen, God has promised a couple things in the Bible that we're going to look at today. One of his greatest things is he's promised that I'll never leave you or forsake you, that I will be with you even to the end of the age. And you know, there's been times where I've tried to leave him and have walked away, but I can honestly say God does not leave us. And you know, today we look at these things right here. Paul said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you. Do you know how much we take grace for granted if we're not careful? How quickly we forget the abundance and the the unbelievable sufficiency of God's grace. Not only his saving grace, but his, his keeping grace and his everything you have you cannot earn. God, anything we have to give to God first was given to us. Life, health, any wealth that you have, God was the one who gave you the ability to get it. So all that we have comes from grace. And Paul says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by who? Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but grace is an unbelievable thing. I thank God for grace. Someone said that grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. But at the same time, I'm thankful for his mercy. (laughs) Because every day he also doesn't give us what we do deserve. And you know what? In reality, how many of you have done something lately that you know would have disqualified you for grace? How many of you has got something that you're so thankful this morning he didn't give you what you deserve? People have asked me before, you know, you really believe that anybody who doesn't hear the gospel and who does not receive the gospel and does not believe upon Jesus dies and goes to hell? I said, I believe it because that's what the Bible teaches. Well, that's not fair for the person who never got to hear it. 
No, what's not fair is for those of us who do get to hear it and receive what none of us deserve, which is to be forgiven, to be saved, and to be allowed to come into a relationship with Jesus, even though we are as guilty as the forest native who's never heard it. Friends, listen, that's why it's imperative that the church go to every place, go to every jungle. That's why I told you last week to get some tracks and go tell everybody that lives next to you. You see, we're the ones getting what we don't deserve. We deserve hell, but mercy saved us. We don't deserve heaven, but grace made it available. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful that God showed me grace one day, and he gave it to us. But listen what grace provides. Listen to that next verse. Because God has blessed us, just like Paul's talking about right here, with the grace, that the gift that comes through Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him. How many of you would be able to admit this morning that you can see and understand the benefits of grace and how it's enriching you because you know what the person that's walking the next door to you that lives in your home who has no rip and no concern about Jesus you know why he doesn't he hasn't been enriched to you by grace friends it's grace that spoke truth into your life it's grace that helped you to understand and that's what Paul's talking about right here he's saying that you were enriched with everything by him in all utterance You didn't one day get smart and become religious. One day God called you. He began to take his word and he began to take his spirit. And by his grace, he began to offer you something that you realized you needed. You see, you don't get saved because you're good. And I'm convinced you don't get saved because you're smart. You get saved because God works in your life. And he draws you and he convicts you and he awakens you. He spiritually enlightens you, the Bible says. And I don't know about y'all, when I think about just the things that he used to enrich us to be saved, think about since you got saved. You know what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1? He says, blessed be the Father and the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the Father of the Lord Jesus who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Guys, that's way better than a good table full of food. That's way better than a nice outfit to wear to church. Friends, think about that. He's blessed us. What are those spiritual blessings? Well, just think about it. Just think about it if we hadn't had the word. Just think about it if you was like a lot of people who have a Bible, but they have no clue what its message says. They don't know Jesus. They've never met him. Friends, today, Jesus is important to us. That's how the testimony of Christ is being confirmed in us through him, who he is, and how he's made a difference. Friends, listen, not only does Paul say that he gave us utterance, he spoke and gave us the ability, but he gave us the knowledge. And then look at what he says. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that you come short in no gift. I don't know about y'all, but every one of us here has an ability that God gave us to be a blessing to others and bring glory to him, a gift, a spiritual enablement. It's amazing to watch the body of Christ and see how certain people have different strengths and different abilities that others don't have and how God uses each one individually to bless. Some people have a gift of giving. They love to give. Others have the gift of of service they love to serve and to go and do things for the lord some have the gift to preach and share 
Some have the gift. All of those things God gave, even this church. Why is that? Because God is faithful by whom we were all called into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this Thanksgiving, there's a couple things I want to take from not this text, but from the Bible that you may have not thought of. But since we got saved, God is no longer just a distant God. He's our Father. And he's our Father in heaven. And you know, there's some things in the Bible that the Bible speaks of that God is faithful to do. You know what one of them is that you forget every day? He's faithful to correct us. He's faithful to chasten us. How many of you got kids? How many of you is going to have your kids show up with your grandkids and you're going to look and say, I wish they would chasten them the way we chastened them? Because chastening, correction, spiritual discipline, or is a thing of the past in a lot of the families today. But I want you to see what the Bible says. The Bible says that he disciplines every one of his sons. And if you are without discipline, you are not his. Do you know what David said? Listen to this. In Psalm 119, verse 75, David said, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. How many of you had parents that in their faithfulness afflicted you? And how many of you now that you're older and wiser are thankful for it? Why did they afflict you? Because they was mean? No, because they loved you. Because you was doing something that was going to hurt you. That was going to cause your life to have danger in it or miss out and have things shouldn't be in it. And I don't know about y'all, but my dad knew how to afflict us. And I'm not talking about being mean and brutal. But listen what David said about it. See, affliction, correction teaches us. David said in the same psalm, Psalm 119, 75, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. How many of you can say amen to that? None of us would be as good as we are, as righteous as we are, as holy as we are, as God never intervened when we were being ungodly. When we were going astray, thank God that he keeps us to the end, that he finishes what he starts, and he'll correct us. Listen to what else he says. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your word. And you know what gets my attention sometimes more than anything? Even blessings. Things ain't the way I wish they were. And friends, God, in his wisdom, corrects us. It says right there that he is faithful to afflict us. Listen to how it says it in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to a son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom he loves, he chastens. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of us have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not a son. You know what? When God says you can't do that no more and puts things in your life that makes you understand that not only did he say it, but he meant it, and he gets your attention, thank God, amen? Chastening is proof you're his son. You know what? My daddy whooped me and my brother, and my little sister didn't get many, but he whooped us beyond count. I can't remember how many, but he never whooped but one other child. 
and it was an accident. I might have told y'all something about this. In our house, we had a little old house. We was thankful for it. Me and my brother slept in the same bed in the same little room till we was in teenagers. We finally got so big, we got tired of it. My brother said, we got to do something. He moved out in the camper. But you know, when we would get company, the rule was whoever had company, his friend got to sleep in the bed with him and the other one had to sleep on the floor. And one night we had a friend of ours, Paul Pennington, came over, spent a night with us. We was in the room. Dad had to work the next day. He said, if I come in there one more time, I'm coming there with a belt. I'm going to whoop you. So we cutting up. He done come in there about three times. I told Greg, I said, hey, Greg, you want to sleep in the bed? My brother. He said, yes. So he got in the bed. Well, when he got in the bed, he told my friend Paul, you in my spot. So Paul moved in my spot. and My brother got in his spot and I got on the floor. All of a sudden, Daddy got up and I heard that belt rattling. When the door flew open, he just went to swinging on that bed where he thought I was laying. And I could hear my friend Paul going, mm, mm. and son, I rolled under the bed on one side. My brother rolled under the bed on the other. And all of a sudden, Daddy said, when I didn't start screaming, he knew it wasn't me. He turned on the light. He said, oh, no, I alone, I don't whoop the wrong one. And he was trying to reach us under the next day with Mr. Buddy Pennington. Paul's daddy came to come get him. He said, there was a mix-up in the sleeping arrangements last night, buddy, and I accidentally whooped your boy. You know what he said? He said, that's all right, Huey, if he needed it, put it on him. Paul never spent the night with us ever again. I don't know why. <laughs> but you know what? That was a way of life, and that's a way of life with God. If you're bad, he's going to whoop you. And I don't know about y'all, I thank God he corrects me. He don't let me get away with it. I see other people get away. He is a loving father. You know why he corrects us? Because he wants to forgive us. What could be more wrong and more ungodly than to forgive people that ain't learned? You see, God corrects us because he wants us to ask him to forgive us. And listen to what the Bible also says. God is faithful to forgive. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But guys, listen. He's not going to do that until you confess. What's it mean to confess? First, it means to agree with God. To agree. But it also means to be more than an agreement with God. It means to admit to God. And you see, there's a lot of us here that got sin in our life every day, and you ain't confessed in it so long you forgot. But guys, listen, when God convicts us, when God corrects us, it's so that we'll look to God and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I know what I did was wrong. I confess, Lord. I ask you to forgive me. And at that moment, the wonderful blessing of being a child of God, a lost person's got to get saved, man. This is for the person who's in the blood. This is for the person who's been to Calvary. This is for the person who's God is his father. Just like a father that whoops you, a good father also forgives you. And friends, I don't know about y'all, there's a many time I came back saying, Ooh, Jesus, I don't want that no more. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And you know what he does? He forgives us. He forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive. You know, you look at that. How could he be like that? He's holy. He's righteous. You know something else you may not understand? Did you understand that God, through Jesus, sympathizes with us in our weaknesses when we sin? This is an amazing thing. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7, it tells us that God is faithful to sympathize with us. Listen to what it says. Therefore, in all things, he, Jesus, had to be made like us, his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful as a high priest. 
What is that? The high priest is the one who intercedes on our behalf. That's why you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to the preacher. You don't have to go to your parents. You can go straight to the Lord through Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm coming to your throne of grace in my own moment of need. Lord, help me. Because listen to what he says. That he might be merciful and faithful as a high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For in he, in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are also tempted. Friends, when you're tempted, Jesus knows what it feels like to be tempted. He himself was tempted. He took on flesh. He, he experienced all of the, the struggles and all of the sufferings we go through. But he didn't sin. That's why he can be our propitiation. And guys, that's why when he looks at us, he's just not letting you off the hook. You know what? As a parent, when you whoop your child, you can sympathize because you've been there too. Amen. <laughs> How many of you remember when your daddy used to tell you, this hurts me more than it hurts you? Have you ever whooped a grandchild? That's why we don't whoop them. <laughs> Say, go whoop that boy, Jody. Jody used to tell us all the time, I'm going to whoop Jared Grayson. I'm going to whoop Grayson. We heard it. We heard it. He never would do it. We come out of church one Sunday, and it had been raining. There's a big old mud puddle on the sidewalk going from the church house to the parsonage. And we were all standing in the church talking, telling everybody bye. And Gabby was walking down that sidewalk full of that water and had them ponytails. And Grayson would snuck up behind her, and he went, poof. And she went face first in that mud puddle with her new Sunday dress. And she got up. Jody come running out there. He said, Grayson, what did you do? I didn't do nothing. Gabby's like, he pushed me in. Or Jody's commenced to beating him. And we had to beg Jesus to make him quit. <laughs> but you know, we all can sympathize with all three in that place. We can sympathize as that parent. We can sympathize as those kids. And that's what God does. He looks at us now because what Jesus did, he came. He sympathizes with us. And guys, you know, when I think about this, out of all the things he does, yes, God corrects us. He's faithful. He's, if you're not being um, corrected, it ain't because God's not care. He's, he's faithful to correct. He's faithful to forgive when we confess. He's faithful. He's sympathetic to us. And when we come, no matter how undeserving you feel you may be today, if you'll come with a broken heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Yes, I deserved what you were afflicting me for. And God, I want to live according to your word. Lord, I want to honor you. Will you forgive me? He'll forgive you. And today you may be lost. You may not know what it's like to live under the hand of this awesome God that we're all thankful for this morning. But guys, I want you to think about this. The greatest thing about God is that he's faithful to save us. Friends, listen, all of this is because he saved us one day. We forget sometimes. I think we don't really understand that none of us ever could earn salvation. None of us ever deserved it, and we never will. But God, in his long-suffering kindness and patience, looked down and sent Jesus. And the Bible says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world who say, to save sinners. And the apostle Paul says, who I am chief. Now, if Paul seen himself as chief of sinners, where does that leave us, Brother Jonathan? It leaves us in need of grace. In need of mercy. In need of God to save us. Friends, you know why a lot of people, I think, don't get saved? Because you're like I was. You're afraid that you won't be able to live the life of being a saved person. And you're exactly right, you can't. 
If you give your heart to Jesus right now, I'm here to tell you you're going to be different, but you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have a different look at things. You're going to have knowledge and utterance of different things. But friends, listen. God, not only in those of us who are saved, saves us and forgives us, he helps us. You see, God is not only faithful to save you, but if he's faithful, he's faithful to help deliver you. How many of you hate temptation? I, I hate it. You see, if you don't give a rip and you're just a carnal Christian or you're lost, temptation's not a big thing. But if you really want to please God and you're really trying to live for Jesus and you're really trying to, to, to avoid correction and, and you're trying to truly live a righteous life, temptation is a reality that we all deal with every day. And friend, every day you're tempted in this world, in this sin-sick environment. But this is an amazing thing. God is faithful, my friend, to help you in every temptation. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you except such is common to all men. So I want you to understand, the temptations you're dealing with every day is common to every man. Every man is tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. That's why he can sympathize with us today. What an awesome God. But listen to this. It says, no temptation is overtaking you except such is common to all men. But God is faithful. What's he faithful to do? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to stand. So that you might find a way of escape. Friends, the first time I ever memorized a verse, it was that when I was quitting smoking. I've shared that with you. Man, it was so hard to quit smoking. He had just took drinking. He had just took drugs. I was trying to quit smoking, and I'd go open my Bible, and I looked in the cotton corners, and I looked up temptation, and I seen that verse, and I turned to that Bible, and I laid it there. And every time I'd want to smoke a cigarette, I'd go, and I'd look, and I'd read that verse. The temptation that has seized you is common to all men, and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but through the temptation will allow you a way of escape so that you might bear it. That's the new American standard. That's how I memorize that verse. And still to this day, that verse comes to my mind. I wish I could say it comes to my mind every time and I do what I did with those cigarettes for that week. But I'm going to tell you what, when you do start taking note to Scripture and praying out loud, I would say that out loud to God and it would go away just enough to make it. And I made it through a week. I made it through two weeks and finally I quit smoking cigarettes. Amen. You know what? No temptation that's seizing you is not above or beyond God's ability to deliver you. He helps you. That's something to be thankful for. Everybody else, they're just an animal doing what animals do. They have no help like we have in God. And finally, this is the last one I want us to look at. You see, not only is God faithful to correct us, not only is he faithful to forgive us, not only is he faithful because he sympathizes with us, is he faithful to save us and deliver us? But guys, God is faithful to keep us. Friends, I don't know if you believe in once saved, always saved, or I don't call it that, if saved, always saved. But it's not, it's the, the perseverance of the saints, it's the security of the believer. It's provided by God, not you. It's not us persevering, it's him giving us grace. Look at what he says as we close out this passage. He says in verse 7, So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know why we can eagerly wait? Look at what he says, verse 8. 
who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we be blameless? Only in Jesus. Only by God's grace. And it says that he will confirm. Paul said it this way, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Those of you who are hanging on because you said, man, I'm going to mess up. Yeah, you're going to mess up, but he ain't. When you mess up, he's going to help you up. When you fall down, he's going to lift you up. When you go astray, he's going to come and get you. (laughs) And when you don't listen to him, he's going to get your attention. If that ain't happened in your life, you ain't met this God. And he's going to be a good parent. And he's going to help you to become a good child. And it's going to be a wonderful relationship that we have through God the Father, through his son Jesus Christ. And it's all activated by the power of his Holy Spirit in and through us. And it's an amazing thing to have this happen in your life. Does that make you thankful this morning? Is that not a wonderful thing? Friends, you know, Paul said it this way. For this reason, I also suffer these things. But nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able, he is able to keep that for which I have committed unto him. I don't know what you committed to him. I committed the most important thing I got, my soul, my eternity. I've put all of my hope in his basket. All my eggs is in Jesus. If Jesus is wrong, I'm in trouble. But if Jesus is right, praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but when I die, when I stand in heaven, the first thing I'm going to say is, why should you be in here? Jesus. All I'm going to have to say is Jesus, Jesus, man. Jesus is so awesome to know him. And guys, listen to this. The last thing Peter says. Therefore, let those of us who suffer according to the will of God. Guys, do you understand? Suffering is all around us. Suffering is some of us will have Thanksgiving for the first time without a loved one this year. Some of us will be at Thanksgiving with people who we miss. Some of us will not be able to have what we've used to having. We may be suffering. But listen to this. Therefore, let those of us who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. As to a faithful creator. I don't know about y'all, but the greatest thing you'll ever get to understand in your heart is that God is faithful. That he does what he says, he is who he says, and he can do what he says. This morning, the amazing thing is not that God can do these things, but that he does do them. He's willing to do them. This morning, when we gather this week, we're all going to have a wonderful time. Sitting together, eating together, being with who's there with us. But I just wanted to share this together. There's a lot more to thanking God for a Christian than just having a little food. And I like, I like to eat. My wife got to get her a new pair of boots the other day. That was a blessing. I'll embarrass her now. And you know what? It's wonderful to have a house. For the first time in my life, I have a house. I'll never own it, but I get to live there for a little while. Amen. As <laughs> I keep preaching. <laughs> But, you know, I go outside all the time and I say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. But you know what God showed me this week? My life would never be what it is now had I never met Jesus. And the fact that Jesus is in my life makes everything else even more unbelievable. See, I've been liking killing bucks and catching big white perch all my life. In fact, I love big bucks. I love big two-pound white perch. But, you know, I shot one this week, and he hit the ground. And as soon as I seen it, it run off. You know, the first thing I caught coming out of my mouth, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Jesus. <laughs> y'all don't think that's funny. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to thank Jesus for everything. 
I catch a big white perch. People think I was crazy. I'll be talking. Oh, Jesus, that's why we're out here this morning. Whoo, that's a good one, Lord. I'm going to weigh him. Thank you, Lord. That's why I come out here. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for letting me get in my boat. You know, all the things in life that we enjoy, if you think about it, are even more enjoyable in Jesus. You see, I used to smoke dope to go fishing because I thought that made it more fun. Oh, it's a lot better when you're high. <laughs> you know what I couldn't find out? Everything's a lot better when you're in Jesus. And so today, I just want to share with you to remember this week that not only do you have food and a house and clothing, but you have a life, a relationship that only can come by grace that God had to give to you, that he, he enriched you with by uttering and speaking into your life and giving you knowledge that not everybody has. Not everybody will have it at your table. See, there'll be people sitting at your table today that doesn't have a clue to anything Paul's telling us about because they don't have that relationship. He hasn't confirmed the testimony of Jesus in their heart. And friends, I don't know about you, but never take for granted that you're in a relationship with Jesus and he is real and active in your life. Religion has nothing compared to him. So this morning... I'm going to ask us to stand. Maybe you want to come to the altar and you want to might pray. I don't know what you would do, but I hope you will take note of this. And maybe you're lost today and you need to be saved. I'm going to ask you to come and give your life to Christ. Father in heaven, as we pray and we come to the time of, Lord, celebrating and having an invitation to respond to what you've said, Lord, we want to thank you for your faithfulness to save us, to do all the things we looked at today. More than anything, Lord, for your faithfulness to have a relationship with us. And, Lord, for anyone out of fellowship this morning, anyone who's lost, we pray that you, God, as you drew us one day, as you helped us and gave us grace, that you would give them grace this morning. And that those of us who are saved, that you would remind us of how blessed we are to be a child of the King, to have you as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.